about a month ago. And I'm just going to do a little recap. So last, last time I spoke about God, uh, the Trinity, as sovereign over all creation. He's the King of Kings and he's the Lord of Lords. And we should be awestruck with his beauty, with his majesty, with his unlimited power, his unlimited knowledge and wisdom, and his glory, which is his, his essence. It's who he is. And this is the king we serve, and part of that service involves us being full-time soldiers in his army. But I spoke about the need to be trained first. We, we need to be trained, and we, to do that, we need to fully divorce from the world. And we can't have, Jesus says he doesn't want us to have one foot in the world and one foot in his kingdom. He doesn't want lukewarm. He doesn't want you to love the things of the world. He wants you all in. He doesn't want, he wants hot or cold. And so to truly divorce from the world, we must be obeying the first commandment. To love the Lord God with all of our hearts, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. And so the last month has gone in a totally different direction. He's taken me on this really insightful journey into and deeper into the heart, soul, mind and body of a man itself to be ready for the battlefield. And then next time we'll get our weapons, weapons going. Um, and have you noticed how Jesus, when he's preaching his sermons, he's training us in what we need to do to inherit eternal life, what righteousness really looks like. But most of all, he's talking about this kingdom that he wants to establish within our heart, soul, mind and strength. And so I realized if we miss this bit, if we miss this instruction on how this character transformation is, because being a good soldier is all about character transformation, then we're always going to feel a bit lost in the battle sometimes, like we don't have true victory. And that's probably why I experienced feeling out of sync with the Holy Spirit, feeling like he's not quite there when I've needed him. And what can happen is we start to become focused on doing lots of Christ-like things and not enough on becoming Christ-like. Because when we become Christ-like, those things just naturally become part of who we are and it overflows. And so I'm really excited to share this. It was quite amazing when I woke up this morning, though. I went into a big spiritual battle and I didn't know if I was going to make it here. But you know what I said? I looked the enemy in the eye and I said, it is written. I said, the word's more powerful, so I'm here. And I'm doing all right. So I believe that because of this spiritual warfare that's happened this morning, you're going to be mightily blessed (laughs) and favoured. So let's welcome the Holy Spirit in this morning. So Holy Spirit, we welcome you here. Holy Spirit, I can't do this message without you. I need the anointing. I need you to put your words on my tongue. When I've sat with you for hours, Lord, you have put the simplicity of this message on my heart. So may it be spoken with such simplicity that you can now go forth and do the deeper work that you wanted to do in a person's heart, soul, mind and body. I pray that you would go forth and open everyone's spiritual ears right now and spiritual eyes to receive it truly deep in our hearts, receive the fullness of this word. Holy Spirit, I'm giving you permission to take over right now. I want to only speak what I'm hearing from you. I don't want my flesh involved. So Lord, bring examples to this PowerPoint I'm about to display. Help me to speak with clarity and I pray that everybody in this room will feel more encouraged and blessed to be able to undergo this character transformation by your hand. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So how I want to present today is on some PowerPoint slides. And I've got Phil, my helper, if you don't mind. I've printed them off because there's quite a bit on them. And the reason for that is the Holy Spirit really put it on my heart that we can go home and we can unpack this with him. It's all about that today, going home and sitting with the Holy Spirit and really um, delving into these parts of us and it's something I can't do for you it's, it's what Holy Spirit wants to do with you 
And so this resource that came across my path and the way it's displayed in the visuals, it's amazing because what I was hearing from him, I was struggling to put into words. And I was struggling, Lord, how do I put that into a visual for people to understand? And literally in the last few weeks, I had someone give me this resource. So I've taken the visuals from Missionaries of Prayer. They're a wonderful organisation if you want to have a look at their website. But then I've added my own writing and and scriptures that I feel Holy Spirit's placed on my heart. So let's get into it. But I've also got pens as well. If you feel like the Holy Spirit is prompting you with something today, maybe about yourself, feel free to write it down and unpack with him later. But also, I mean, um, if you're feeling like something in this relates to someone you know, you know, these are really good prayer points that we can then take away and unpack with him because we want to have more compassion for people and what they're going through. And I hope this also opens up that for you today. But let's get started. You were right to... Oh, yeah, I'll do the quick one. Thank you. So we're going to start back in Genesis. In 2.7, so this is the makeup of the man. This is how God told us he made us. He says, Jehovah God formed man from the dust of the ground. And straight away we can see that's where he's made the flesh. And then he breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And in the Hebrew, that word breath of life is referring to your spirit. So everyone's received your, a, a spirit. And then man became a living soul. And within that living soul holds your mind, your heart, your will, your emotions, your imagination, all those things. So truly at the depth of who you are, you are a spirit at the core of who you are. But you have a soul and you live in a body. So now let's have a look at this as a visual. So we can see the makeup of a man here, the different parts of us. Now, I just want to reiterate the focus. The focus today is on the transformation of the new man. We want that good character. And to do that, we need to be loving God with all these parts of us. But he's taken me deeper. He said, well, do you even know what encompasses your mind, your body, your soul, and your heart? So let's first look into those things. So when the Lord's telling us to love with that soul, he means that that's the part of us that animates the body. It's your personality. It's your self-life. It's your feelings. If he's telling us to love with our minds, he's saying that's your thought life. That's your ability to determine, to reason, to make judgments. It's your intellect. It's your thought life. When he's talking about your heart, he's saying that's the core of your soul. That's where your deepest thoughts and your belief systems are held. That's where your will is. That's the will that went against God in the garden because it also holds our seat of desires and deepest affections. And that's what turned from God in the garden, that will that was against his will. And then we have our body. Now, the, the commandment says love with your strength. So we'll look at the strength first. In the Greek, the strength he's referring to is you're doing everything with all of your ability. You're loving him with everything that you are. You're loving him with all your force, all your ability, all your muchness that is within you. So that word strength can actually encompass the mind, soul, and heart if you're doing it with everything that you are. But I also wanted to put the body on here because we will be looking at carnality a little bit later. So I'm putting the body and strength together there. But take note that the strength can be for all the other parts. And then right in the core, the core of who we are, we have our spirit. That's who we are. This is the breath of life. This is the part of us that's made in the image of God. And when I say that only our spirit can contact and receive from God, I'm saying that this is what gives us true access to the Father. This is the part of us that accesses the spirit the spirit realm, because the soul and the heart can't do it on its own. God is spirit. Therefore, we need a spirit to communicate with him. 
And so that was the part of us that lost connection with him in the garden. We got, you know, we had broken fellowship and relationship with God all through the Old Testament. But we know that Jesus came and he paid the price to redeem us, to restore this relationship. And so when we accept Jesus, his spirit then joins with our spirit, the Holy Spirit, to affirm that we are God's children. And so when we receive that free gift of the Holy Spirit, we are regenerated. That part of us, that spirit man is completely regenerated. We're marked, we're sealed, it cannot be taken away. We're regenerated, born again. That's that born again experience. But unfortunately, there are parts of us that don't get automatically regenerated. Some things may drop off, but there will be a process now of regenerating the mind, body, soul, and heart. And this is why 1 Corinthians says that if you don't have the spirit, you're not going to accept these supernatural things. They're spiritually discerned. You need the spirit. The carnal man, the fleshly man can't accept them. And so what happens is our salvation is free, but then our sanctification comes at a high price. And if you're anything like me, when you were born again, yep, you know, you've experienced that, you know the Spirit's touched you, but then for the first few years, I looked nothing like a Christian. <laughs> nothing. I was unregenerated in all these other parts. And so now what we want the Christian experience to look like is this. I'm in yellow because I feel like the, spirit, the Spirit's really leading me today. We want that spirit to be governing. We want that spirit to be encompassing and leading and guiding all those other parts of us. But why? Scripture tells us. Let's look at the mind. So when in Romans 8 it says, if your mind is governed by the flesh, it's death. But the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. We want that. In Romans 8 it says, if you live according to the flesh, you're going to die. But if you live by the spirit and put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. That's that life and abundance that Jesus wants for us. In Jeremiah 17, he says, the heart is deceitful above all things. And I believe him because he says in the scripture, he says, you need to rip out, I need to rip out that old heart, that heart of stone, that hard heart. And not only do I give you a new spirit, I need to give you a new heart that's going to be reactive and responsive to my spirit. That's how important the new heart is. And then the soul, he says, you're going to find rest for your soul when you're at the crossroads and you're asking for those ancient paths and you're asking the spirit, what is the good way? So all these parts of us need the Holy Spirit's leading and guiding. And that says in 2 Corinthians, it says it's a transformation. It's a progressive transformation. I'd love to regenerate every part, but it would probably break me. It needs to be a process. There's things he wants to do. Go from glory to glory to achieve this. And so our part in this is we, we surrender. We just say, I'm all in. I commit myself, Lord, to this process. I'm going to tell each part of me to obey your command. And I want to follow you. But what does it look like from here? So from here, I want to answer some questions. How do we identify when other parts of ourselves are not being led by the Spirit? And then how do we give access to the Spirit? To do this. So we're going to start with the body and the strength. So you've probably all read through Colossians, Corinthians and Romans, which all are very big on righteousness and telling us what the symptoms of the carnal man is. So I'm not going to go into much detail of this, but they're pretty obvious. You know, you've got death in the tongue. We've got slandering, boasting, gossiping. We've got addictions happening. We've got sexual immorality, um, body image issues. There's outbursts of wrath and anger happening in the body. 
lawlessness, which is coveting. You know, the body's looking and seeking for these excessive desires and these passions that it wants to fulfill. But I think the, the struggle for the Christian woman and man is that lack of desire to seek after God, that real true motivation to con- allow that body to keep continuing to seek him. And so let's have a look at how we can allow the spirit to govern. And so I remember a few years ago, the Lord was prompting me to get completely off social media and entertainment. And I thought, no problem, I can do that. And then I was on, and then I was off, and then I was on, and then I was off. (laughs) My profile picture went up, my profile picture came down. (laughs) It was really tough. I thought I could do it, but my flesh was feeling like it was missing out on something, that I wasn't in the loop anymore, that I don't have these friends on my social media account anymore. What's going on? And God said, I had to continue to keep deciding to tell my flesh, no, I am, I'm going to seek God with all that I am. I'm not going to have this lack of desire anymore because those two things were working together. I had this lack of desire and all this entertainment and social media in the way of me spending time with him. And so no wonder I wasn't hearing from God. I had all these other things in the way. He needed to remove those first. And so Romans says we do need to put to death the deeds of the body. That will look like a total lifestyle change. It will look like divorcing from the world. My husband doesn't like it because every time we go to put, he wants to put on a movie, he'll go, you won't watch that, you won't watch that, you won't watch that. <laughs> and I take it as a compliment. I'm like, yeah, we're not watching MA movies. We watch G movies in this house. <laughs> you know, because that's what God wants. He wants a sanctified vessel. That gives glory to him. And I don't, he can say whatever he likes, but I'm doing what the Spirit wants me to do. I don't live by what man says anymore. And so it is working with the Spirit. He wants to work with you, and that's going to look different for you, what he's going to want to cut out of your own life. All right, let's cross over. We're going to go over to looking at the soul and the heart together. Now, when it comes to other parts of us dominating, it's not just going to be the body dominating. Parts of these overlap so it might be the soul and the mind working together against the, the spirit but I'm going to use an example that comes from my own soul and heart that we're working together but first let's have a look and identify what are the causes of pain in our soul so what can happen is we can have childhood traumas we can have abuse that's happened to us just broken homes wounds people have said something to us rejection fear of man death of a loved one, all these kinds of things. But these days we're seeing a big identity crisis. We're seeing people wanting to fill something inside of them. And it can happen to Christians too. If we're struggling to see ourselves through God's eyes, we're going to struggle to accept his love and really truly see ourselves through his eyes, that we are valued, that we are loved, that he does truly care for us and he's for us, he's not against us. But what can happen is, If we allow these causes of pain in the soul to flourish, then we're going to have these symptoms coming out. We're going to be feeling stressed, anxious, worried, lonely. For me, I had a real lack of peace. I was troubled, um, feeling weak, like this inward commotion was happening. The soul gets really turbulent. As I was reading through Psalms, I'm seeing David. He was going through so many awful things and his soul was vexed. It was longing. It was hungry. Jesus even said his soul was troubled when he was in the garden. So what can happen with the soul is it will start rushing. It will go to and fro. The soul wants to fill, 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 fill that gap. It needs identity. It wants to be filled. 
And so we can start acting hastily and then we start making decisions that compromise our faith um, or compromise a certain situation to feel acceptance, to, to, to feel something, to feel like we're worthy. And sometimes that leads us down the wrong path. Um, pride can happen in the soul. We see that, the pride of life. We become very self-dependent. I've got this, you know. I don't need God. God, I've got this part of my life. I don't need you in that part, just this part. You know, so that's a symptom of the soul acting up and wanting to self-protect. And so then what can happen is we can have other really emotional things like hot temper, frustration, um, anger. Those things can come out. Now let's have a look at the heart. What does the heart do? So the heart holds our will and our seed of desire and emotion. So those emotional wounds that have happened to us, it could be just a simple thing that someone said and we hold on to it. And then it just makes it really difficult to love someone. Our heart becomes hardened. We start cutting people out. Maybe we give the silent treatment. Ladies, don't tell me you don't know what the silent treatment is. Been there, done that, got the t-shirt. All right? Um, our, our heart can be cold and lacking compassion. There can be rejection. You know, we, we reject people. We put up these walls. Insecurities can happen. But I think one of the, the most enlightening one that I found was in Mark 6 when Jesus was on the boat with the disciples and he's just done this miraculous thing. He's stopped the waves. Um, he's had, they've seen the incident with the lows. He's just fed the 5,000. And yet it says their heart was hardened. So what can happen is if your heart becomes so hard, you're actually going to become, you're going to struggle to accept spiritual things, supernatural things, miraculous things. Your heart's going to go, mm, I don't think that's really real. Is that really for me? So then your heart's going to get in doubt and unbelief that he's going to work for you. That was a big one for me. And that, and that enlightened me a lot to go, oh, I need to work on my heart. So now I want to give an example. I want to present this in a different way. I'm going to present it in this, what I call the dead cycle. And I think everyone in this room would have done this. So I hope this resonates in some way. Um, and I was going to use my husband as the example because I figured he doesn't listen to what I say in these sermons. So I'd be pretty safe. But then I thought, no, it would be the one time he asked to listen to it. And then I've said this thing about him and it's going to cause conflict. So anyway, I'm going to throw my kids under the bus. All right? So... <laughs> Now, we're in the world, so we're always going to have a trigger. We'll start at the trigger. We're in the world, we're experiencing the world with our five senses. We're always going to hear something, someone's going to say something. There's going to be a look, a comment. It could be the enemy planting thoughts in our mind. We're always going to be triggered by something in the world. And for me, it was when my children were about that 18 months to two and a half years. And these behaviours were coming out. And I was struggling to understand. I thought I'd given them all this affection. I'd given them all this love from the moment they were born. I co-slept with them. I did everything I possibly could to show them and, and lavish them in attention. And now they're telling me no. And now they're one's hitting the other with a hairbrush on the head. And now we've got tackling on the floor happening and just doing all these crazy things that I did not think would happen to me. You know, um, outbursts, tantrums in the grocery store. No. That was not going to happen to me. And so what did I do? I did the next thing in the cycle. Meditated on those negative emotions. I got frustrated. So incredibly frustrated. And shame. I had shame. But it was my fault. And what happened is because I kept meditating on that, 
I then got into emotional overwhelm. So now I'm not just frustrated, I'm angry. I'm angry. I'm, I'm, I'm dwelling on these emotions. I'm blaming myself. And then I'm starting to look in the natural for answers. Not looking to God, thinking, he, he doesn't want to bar off this. This is my job. I'm supposed to discipline these children. But I started looking in the natural, trying all different techniques, being different, changing my personality, doing these scripts. I did everything. And what happened was, it just led to unrighteous actions. I was yelling. I was blaming. I blamed Brett if I saw a behaviour and went, yep, that's your fault. Yep, I've seen you do that, Brett. That's your fault. You know, just awful things. And then that caused arguments with my husband. All right? So what happens is if we dwell enough, we turn that emotion into an outward action. And then if we don't catch it there in the cycle, we get to justification and we justify ourselves. I say, well, my kid did that. I couldn't help it. I got angry. Their fault. Nothing I can do. Human nature. (laughs) Um, Or we get others to co-sign us. You know, how many parents have just sympathy. They've given me sympathy. God, you did the right thing. You're trying everything you possibly can. And then the enemy can co-sign you. He's in the back of my ear going, oh, well done. That is exactly how you should have disciplined them. Yes, take everything off them and put them in their room and be really awful to them. You know, just, well, you'll get the justification if you want it. And then what happens in the cycle is we start to suppress it and eternalize it. And if we don't catch it there, that behavior becomes a habit. And we blame others. We push that emotion down. Maybe we know it's us, but there's no repentance there. And all we've done is what uh, Anne had that wonderful sermon on the seed last week. We get that seed. We keep watering it with the same habit. It grows roots. And now I've got bitterness. Now I've got unforgiveness for my kids. Now I've got unbelief. Now I've got a hard heart. And then what happens is now I'm sowing unrighteous fruit for my kids. Now I'm harvesting this bad cycle. And I'm ashamed of that. Like, I mean, God's forgiven me and we're working through it. But I wanted to be honest to, to say that these things happen and you can get caught in a dead cycle even if you are a Christian. So what should Alicia have done? <laughs> Let's have a look for her soul and her heart. And I think the top thing is I needed to find identity in Christ. I needed to know who he is so I could know who I am. I'm not identified by my children's behavior. I'm not identified as a wife or as a mother. That's not at the core of who I am. I'm a child of God. And I think I missed that bit. I was so busy focusing on doing and trying to fix it instead of coming back and seeking his peace and seeking who he is so I could become more like him. I'm not, I'm not that per, I'm not, I'm an old, I'm a new creation. I'm not the old creation, I'm a new creation now. And so I had to start meditating on scripture. Not looking in the natural, I need to meditate on scripture. It says, everything I put my hand to will prosper. It says, he who is in me is greater than he who is in the world. So I have the answer for what that child's saying in front of me. I need to tune into what the spirit wants me to say. But most of all, I needed to know what love is. I needed to meditate on Corinthians 13. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love is not self-seeking. Love keeps no record of wrongs. That's the tricky one for us all. Keeps no record of wrongs. That argument I had yesterday with Brett, I keep no record of wrong over that. I forgive. I forgive. That's that's tough. This is why this is tough. But it can be done because he says it can be done. So we believe that. We can do other things like just seeking his voice throughout the day. Desiring the gifts, speaking to your soul. Did you know you can speak to your soul? David said to speak to his soul. He said, soul, you will hope in God. 
So you can tell your soul. You will line up with my spirit man. My spirit man says that God can get me through this, that God has the perfect answer. And so no matter what it is, God wants to heal the wounds in your broken heart. I'm not saying your feelings are a bad thing. I'm saying that they should be a gauge, not a guide. We don't be guided into unrighteous actions. They're a guide to say something's off. I need the Spirit of God right now to help me. I need to seek Him with all that I am. All right, let's have a look at the mind now. I've left this till last because the example I've got in my heart is a pretty heavy one. But first, let's look at the mind. So symptoms of being led is when we start focusing on works over relationship. That's where the Pharisees went wrong. They had all this knowledge and intellect. They knew the scriptures. Um, But what happened was they started getting to spiritual arrogance and pride and judgment of others. They were getting self-righteous because of all the things they knew in their mind. God says that we need to be led by his spirit. And so meditating on these bad thoughts and thinking that we're righteous is is wrong. We're, We're justified by the righteousness of Christ. And so what happens is when we're in the world, we're taking on all the things that we see and hear. And so I want to use the example from the last couple of years. We've just been through a crisis. We've had a lot of facts and figures pushed at us through COVID. And if we allow it, it will become our truth. We can be, the mind especially, can be really easily swayed in a crisis. So replace the word COVID with anything. You could put war, food shortage, plague, economic crisis, cyber attack, whatever we're getting in the news at the moment that's going to happen. Replace it with that. Are we going to allow facts and figures to be our truth? Are we going to be swayed by what peer pressure says, the theories and opinions of man? Are we going to be led by fear? Because the mind certainly will lead you down that path if you dwell on it enough. The enemy speaks and plants thoughts in your mind. That's where he, he's working. So that's why it says we need to be taking these thoughts captive straight away. Make them obey Christ. Is this my voice? Is this the enemy's voice or is this God's voice? This is where all of this kind of thing happens. And even in James 1, he says, he was talking about wisdom. If you're going to ask for wisdom, but then you doubt that he's actually going to give you wisdom, you've just become double-minded. So if you're praying something, you're praying that no plague come near my tent during COVID, but then we doubt that he's going to do that, we've just become double-minded. So, what does it look like to have the mind being governed by the Spirit? We need Scripture. We need a bank of Scripture built up in our spirit, man. Because, sorry guys, we're in birth pains. Birth pains, if ladies you would know, it steadily gets worse and worse and worse. They get shorter and shorter in time together. We're not out of the clear just because COVID's passed. As we've seen, there's earthquakes There's all these things happening around the world, train wreckages with gases going into the air. These things are going to come at us, even if we don't want them to. So we need to be ready as a body. Are we ready? Are our minds truly prepared for another crisis to come? Have we built up Psalm 91 in our hearts that a thousand may fall at my side, ten thousand at my right hand, but I will not be shaken? during any of this? Do I believe that in a food shortage that my God will provide all my needs? 
Do I truly believe that in my mind? Or am I going to be double-minded and doubt? Because no man who doubts can expect to receive anything from the Lord. That's what the scripture says. And so we need to be asking the Spirit, Spirit, reveal the triggers for my mind. Do I need to stop watching the news? Do I need to stop looking at social media? Do I need to stop talking to a certain group of people? For me, there was one person that I needed to limit contact with because it was fear, fear, fear. Have you got this? Have you got that? Oh, oh my goodness. All the bad things were going to happen to me. And I was like, nah, that's not, my, not what my God says. My God says, no plague come near my tent. And that covers my children. And, you know, Psalm says, Psalm 12 says, the words of the Lord are pure words. They're like silver refined in a fire seven times. So when we're declaring that into the spiritual atmosphere, we're proclaiming the most pure words that have come down from heaven. You Don't speak your own words. Speak his words. Speak what he says is invaluable at your inheritance as a child of God. And no matter what it looks like in the natural, do not twist in your mind the ability for God's word to heal, save, and deliver every time, no matter what it looks like in the natural. Do not judge everything by what, us, what we see because that's what the mind does. We are a people who dwell on what is true, noble, right, praiseworthy, lovely, above rapport. We have the mind of Christ. And we need to start walking and believing that. So let's have a look at a spirit living cycle then. Because we don't want that dead cycle. We want this spirit living cycle. And I'm going to use an example that affects the mind, soul, heart and strength for me. And it was fear of man. God has quite a sense of humour having me up here. I didn't want to be a teacher because I had to talk in front of people. That was actually going to make me be um, a childcare worker because I, I just didn't want to speak in front of anyone. So he has oh, such a sense of humour to have me up here. Um, so my example, I'm going to use the trigger because, again, we're always going to get triggered. We can't avoid that. We're, all, we're living in the world. We're going to be triggered by something. And so this one was, there was a lady in Audi and she was... This was four years ago. She was, I overheard a conversation. She was speaking about all these illnesses she had and how depressed and lonely she was and all these kinds of things. And I thought, what would Jesus do? I've just been meditating on all these things and I need to share my faith. So I'm going to speak to her. So here I am stalking her around the supermarket until I could find an opportunity. And I asked her and I said, I'm sorry I overheard your conversation, but are you okay? And I've heard... Um, that you're going through a really tough time and she was more than happy to open up. And then I said, look, I'm a Christian and my, my uh, testimony is healing. I came to Christ through healing. I would love to pray for you. And you would have thought I'd slapped her. She stood back. She went, how dare you speak to me in the supermarket about this? I just want to do my shopping. You need to leave me alone. Fully opposite reaction to what I thought I would get. So I got triggered. But I knew enough at that point that Jesus was hated as well. And so if they hated him, there's going to be moments where they hate me. And so I calmly responded. The next part of the spirit living cycle is to calmly respond no matter what situation you're faced with and do not react in the moment no matter what I wanted to say. Make a script to exit. Don't make a decision in the heat of the moment. And I simply said, I really wish you a blessed day and I, and I do hope that God is um, going to open another door for you for healing to hear the gospel. I, I truly have your best interests at heart. 
Then I got home. Now we need to find a quiet space because it did rattle me. I went home and I started meditating on the word and declaring it, building up that bank of scripture, who I am. I'm, you know, I am going to come under persecution, but I do need to deal with this fear of man and I do need to deal with rejection or it will overcome me. And so rather than getting into emotional overwhelm, now we get into emotional acknowledgement. Meditating on who he is. Have faith that the Holy Spirit will be with you even in these times where it doesn't feel like he is. That he, he's pleased with you when you step out in faith. That's who he is. He loves when you step out of your comfort zone and you do something that you didn't want to do maybe because of your personality or who you were. That's not who you are anymore. So meditating on him, meditating on your testimony with him. Whatever you do, is, it's, it's on the word and it's spending time with him, particularly in these times where we've been rattled and when we've got triggered. So what that should lead to is not the unrighteous action. Hopefully now we've got the righteous action. Did that stop me from sharing my faith? No. I've been obedient to the Holy Spirit. I will step out and if they react that way, they react that way. I, I can't, I'm not in control of that. I just have to be obedient to him. That might look like repenting. It might look like extending forgiveness to someone, extending mercy, being the same, not changing who you are and going, well, I'm not going to talk to them after they've spoken to me. No, I'm just going to keep loving them. Just going to keep loving them and shining for them because that's who they need me to be. They just need to see Christ. Stepping out in faith, prayer, whatever that righteous action is will be led by the Holy Spirit. He will guide you. And what hopefully will happen now is we've planted a new seed for our heart, our soul, our mind, and our body. Now we've got this root that is believing in God, it's loving God, it's knowing his will, it's not doing our own will anymore. Now we're overcomers in Christ. And now we're going to sow righteous fruit because we've just displayed the fruit of the Spirit, we've just undergone a character transformation, and there we've just achieved the the goal of today to love God and to love others and obey his commands. So the last little slide is just a couple of pictures. For those who are led by the Spirit of God are the children of God. We don't want to be quenching the Spirit. And so we have come to the end. It was eye-opening for me to put this all together. I thought, wow, I've got like three things on each page. Um, but it's helped me understand of how I've got stuck in certain mindsets and how I've reacted to situations. But most importantly, it has also given me an understanding of other people, how they've got stuck in certain mindsets and situations and to have compassion for them and to pray for them and pray for their heart and pray for their soul. Because if we don't have the spirit, how can we expect consistent Christ-like behaviour in an unbeliever? It's impossible. They need to be led by the spirit to have that. And so for the believer, it's going to be a progressive journey, working with the Spirit and the way he works with you is going to be so different to how he works with me. And I'm not going to sugarcoat it. Some of these symptoms will be easy to just let go of and some we're going to have to work on. Some are going to take time and we're going to wrestle with it. But now I have to share just the last thing, how amazing God is to confirm his word for you. And so last Tuesday I was cleaning windows with a newspaper and the people who owned the house before us, they left a whole bunch of newspapers. And when I picked up this one, I saw this picture of a dove. I went, oh, I love doves. It reminds me of the Holy Spirit. And then I looked at the heading and it said, um, Mindful Releasing. So this was just last week. I thought, well, that's interesting. I'll have a quick read of it. 
And he just totally confirmed this word today. It says, I'll just read a couple of bits out. It says, just as wild birds were never meant to be caged, there are so many thoughts, emotions, perceptions and expectations that were never meant to be trapped within one's mind, body or spirit. The more a person is able to recognise the negative emotions, thoughts and feelings that trouble them, the more their characteristics are understood and seen for what they are, the more capable that person becomes of dealing with them. In the newspaper, a random newspaper. Oh, God, you're amazing. <laughs> um, so he does, he really wants to help us every step of the way. And I've read a lot of books on the great men and women in revivals and that sort of thing that did amazing feats for God. And one of them was Catherine Kuhlman. And if you've ever watched her, she seems so otherworldly. She's coming from a different place in the way she speaks. And when I'd read her book, I understood why. She said, the Holy Spirit is more real to me than any of you in this room. Can any of us say that the Holy Spirit is more real and tangible and, and present than anyone in your life? And I just want to finish with her quote. Then. She says, the greatest of the Christian graces is humility. All I know is that I have yielded my body to him to be filled with the Holy Spirit. And anything that the Holy Spirit has given me, any results there might be in this life of mine, it's not Catherine Coleman. It's the Holy Spirit. It's what the Spirit does through a yielded vessel. That is one thing I'm afraid of. I'm afraid that I grieve the Holy Spirit. For when the Spirit is lifted from me, I am the most ordinary person that ever lived. I thought that was wonderful. So let's finish on prayer. Father, I praise you. I praise you for your gift. You truly said it was a gift that we would receive the Holy Spirit when Jesus left this earth. There is so much more to this Christian life for the yielded vessel who gives everything to you. My simple prayer to finish is this. Help us in this process of regenerating and sanctifying our minds, our hearts, our souls and our bodies to bring glory and honour to your name. Lord, I pray for everyone. Help us to start. And as Paul prayed in Ephesians, just strengthen us with might in our inner being, in our spirit man, that Christ might dwell in our hearts, that we may be rooted and grounded in love. In Jesus' name, amen.